Welcome to the Global Nashville Program. I'm Patrick Ryan, President of the Tennessee World Affairs Council. This evening, we have something special for you. Before we start, let me thank our program partners, the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce International Business Council, the Center for International Business at beautiful Belmont University, and today, uh, program sponsor, the Japan America Society of Tennessee. Our regular host of Global Nashville, former Mayor Carl Dean, is away, so we've asked Matt Kisber to guest host the program. Matt is chairman of Silicon Ranch, a pioneer in solar energy projects in the Southeast, and he is a former commissioner of economic and community development uh, for the state of Tennessee. Matt has invited as his guest today, his former boss at ECD, Governor Bill Bredesen. You can find bios for both of these gentlemen in our program details. Welcome and uh, thank you for joining us uh, today. Thank you, Pat. Great to be here, thanks. Today, we are going to take a deep dive into the topic of Japanese business investment in the state of Tennessee. Governor Bredesen and Commissioner Kisber led the state's efforts during 2003 to 2011. They recognized the importance of building relationships around the world that would bring businesses and jobs to Tennessee. In particular, they cultivated the commercial relationship with Japan and were key to the expansion of commercial ties. To give you some perspective on the importance of the Japanese commercial relationship to Tennessee, let's talk about a few numbers. Foreign direct investment in Tennessee is about $40 billion in capital investment, creating jobs for about 150,000 Tennesseans. Of that, 20 billion, about half of the total foreign capital investment is from Japanese businesses, accounting for over 50,000 employees. Those 50,000 Tennesseans working for Japanese businesses in the state are more than the employment brought in by, key, by businesses from the next four nations combined, Germany, the United Kingdom, France, and Canada. Let me now turn you over to our guest host for Global Nash Nashville, Matt Kisbert, for this important conversation. Matt. Thank you very much, Patrick. It's great to be with both you and Governor Bredesen this evening. It's a real treat for me to have this conversation with Governor Bredesen and to reminisce and reflect on some of the work that we did during our time uh, in office. I, I've had the opportunity to reflect uh, as we prepared for this, uh, this session. And Governor, I, I can think back to December of 2002 after, um, after the election during your transition when we discussed my potentially being your commissioner of economic and community development. Right. You reminded me at that time that you had made more promises in the area of economic development than any other area of state government. I've never forgot that. And so I'm, I'm interested because while it's clear we both understand that the private sector creates jobs, in your experience, what is the role of government, especially in this instance, state government, in supporting job creation and job retention, especially with the recruitment of foreign capital, such as the 50-year track record Tennessee's had of success in recruiting Japanese investment? I think there, there are several things. I mean, you're right. I mean, it's, um, it's the private sector that, that creates the, the investment. 
Um, but I think there's several things you have to do with the state to be successful. Uh, one of them has worked so well for Tennessee is just to create the kind of environment that uh, these businesses find it easy to operate in. I mean, after all, they are, you know, first of all, in, in business to be in, to be in business and and uh, to to build things and, and create things. Um, and so a lot of the things that you can do, I think, are just to create that environment. A lot of times, you know, people think about this these recruitment jobs, um, recruitment of capital and jobs in terms of, oh, what, what are the tax breaks you're given or something like that. I mean, I always found, and I think both of us did in our, in our experience, that there was a lot more to it than that. And the really important things had to do with the general business climate and environment. And Tennessee, obviously, is a state with low taxes. Uh, it's got a low cost of living, so it's a, it's a pleasant place to send people to. Um, labor relations in the state have always been good. Uh, we are, we are, of course, a right-to-work state, but I think it's it's really a lot broader than that. Uh, there are good relationships uh, um, uh, between you know between labor and uh, and, uh, and and business in the state, uh, and that is really that's really persisted through uh, a lot of administrations of both uh, of both parties, and that's that's very helpful. And second thing I think is really important is that um, you know state government by its nature it's it's a big bureaucracy, and um, having dealt previously that in the business world with trying to do some things in, in other states, um, it can be very hard to get answers. I mean, when you're in business, you you need to do things, you need to make decisions, you need to get answers about things and, and move forward. And um, you know I think I think some of the most successful things that we did together. Um, were to just speed up the whole process and make sure that it really worked well to uh, get answers to questions. So people got questions about, um, you know, how, how is this law going to be interpreted? How does uh, how is taxation going to work on these these kinds of subtleties? And I think that's important. And the last one that I wouldn't underestimate is just personal diplomacy. I mean, these these companies. I mean, they want the governor, <laughs> the governor's officials, and they want to see him and meet him and understand them and and. Uh, um, I think that can be a very important uh, piece of it as well. I mean, you and I put a lot of miles on it over the years, uh, just trying to make sure that, you know, the people we were talking to knew who we were and uh, knew us as individuals rather than just uh, positions in the, in, in the state. So I think actually, you know, there's a lot of things that states can do. Um, and along with that, things the local governments can do to really, you know, create the climate, to get the answers people need, to uh, um, to have that personal relationship as well. Uh, I think uh, I think the states, states and state government are really important in this process. You know, as you think back to Japanese investment in Tennessee, um, it's most people equate it to Nissan coming to Tennessee in the 1980s, but really some of the first Japanese investment was in the 1970s when Toshiba came to Middle Tennessee making televisions and microwave ovens. Right. I mean, much has changed in both the world and in Tennessee since that time. But what we have seen is the automotive sector as well as uh, electronics companies like Sharp come to Memphis and of course, Nissan and the automotive companies, but a number of Japanese companies locate across the state in a range of different uh, product sectors. What do you think makes Tennessee a desirable location for Japanese companies, um, not just automotive, but all the Japanese companies that are here? 
I think there are several things. I mean, I mean first of all, uh, they're going to be sending some of their people here. Tennessee is just a good place to live. I mean, it's a, uh, the people are wonderful. Uh, uh, the environment uh, is, uh, is great. Uh, um, you know, people come here and, uh, and move to Tennessee. Sometimes it's hard to uh, it's hard to get it out of there when it's time for them to go. Uh, you know, to go back home. Um, I think we we've had a stable business environment. I think that part of it is important. Um, uh, you know, we we've had both Democratic and Republican governors over over this period of time. Um, they've largely been all quite business oriented, um, and um, and and willing to honor previous administration's commitments. So, you know, they're not, companies look at it and they, uh, you know, they see they're not, they're not at risk of, well, you know, the Republican was governor and so now the Democrat comes in and everything's gonna change. And then when the Republican comes in, everything, everything changes. There's been that commitment to, uh, uh, to honoring previous commitments and so on. I know when I've talked with people who uh, from these, other com from companies that are located here, and particularly some of the some of the Japanese companies, I mean, they're impressed with the fact that there've been a lot of times, as you well know, that you and I would meet with them with members of previous administrations. I mean, um, we did a lot of work with Bob Corker and Lamar Alexander when they were uh, in the Senate, and they just liked the notion of, you know, here's two people from two different parties, and they're, they're obviously not, not only in the same room, they get along and they're, friend, they're friends with each other. And uh, uh, that gives them a lot of, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of confidence. Um, but I think that, you know, that stability and willingness to, you know, to honor commitments, uh, uh, going along with just that it's a, it's a great place to live, really is kind of at the heart of it. It just, it's just made it a very attractive place for, for foreign companies, especially for Japanese companies to, uh, um, you know, to put their capital and send their people and, and do business. Just to that point, I recall when we came into office, um, the Sunquist administration was working with uh, Toyota Bodine on a project that uh, we got to announce. Um, we, we closed the deal and got to announce it in, in Jackson, Tennessee in um, late January, but that was a great example. And that was one of the comments they made that the transition was seamless and that uh, you never would have known you had gone from a Republican administration to a Democratic administration at that time. Um, and, and that decision was actually followed, um, you know, by uh, Nissan's decision in later in 2003 to invest in Smyrna and the production of the Nissan Pathfinder. And um, over the eight years of our administration, Nissan continued to invest in expanding with more production in Smyrna, as well as the engine plant in Deckard. Um, right. we, we also uh, you know, work closely with Brother Industries in Memphis, making um, printers and, and other office equipment, um, Denso and Maryville, Bridgestone and Morrison, lots of expansions. But one that stands out, and I, I, I know you remember this well because I know it's a highlight of, of our administration was the work on recruiting the Nissan headquarters from California to Franklin in, in 2005. Can you talk a little bit about both that, that project, but also what you think the impact of that announcement uh, was on the region and on future economic development? You know, it was one of the first large corporate headquarters that moved to Tennessee from other parts of the country. Yeah, I mean, um... 
first of all, I think the decision, and I'm both very familiar with all the ups and downs and ins and outs of that, of that process, but I think the decision really just uh, kind of underlines the things we've just been, we've just been, been talking about. Um, you know, the, I, they were looking for a stable environment. They were looking, uh, in that case, of moving a lot of people uh, from California to Tennessee. Uh, so they were, they were very impressed with the quality of life. And I remember several things that I was personally involved with was going to events at somebody's home somewhere where you had potential relocatees, if that's the word, if that's the word uh, from California, and just talking to them about the uh, about the lifestyle and and uh, you know what it was like to live here, and I always I always thought at least I, I had a leg up in that conversation because I'm one of those people. I mean, I was not born in Tennessee and uh, came here, and uh, um, I can't honestly say when I originally arrived here that I thought I would spend the rest of my life here, but rapidly found it just a great place and great place to live and you know raise a family, which is which is what we ended up ended up doing here. And um, I think that headquarters really, though, was a, it was kind of a milestone that um, <clears throat> it just sort of underlined that things are happening here in Tennessee. That <clears throat> that <clears throat> you know, sorry, that people are you know that people are uh, uh, are looking at it and making <clears throat> making these decisions. I compare it in some way to when when I was mayor and the Titans came to Tennessee and to Nashville. I mean, I don't think anybody ever moved to Nashville specifically because the Titans were there, but it's one of those things that just, it adds to the, uh, adds facets, it adds to the, you know, the, the amenities that you have and the quality of life. And ultimately those things are really, are really important. It helps to focus citizens that things are happening and focus them on the opportunity and generates, uh, and generates confidence. And I think of all the relocations we did and stuff that, you know, probably that and maybe the Volkswagen one alongside of it, those two were the two that really most, you know, most had that, that effect to the largest, largest degree. People just looked around and said, wow, um, you know, look what's happening here. Maybe we need to take a look. Well, one of the other significant uh, <clears throat> decisions that occurred during our administration that involved Tennessee and, and Japan uh, relations was the decision by the Japanese government to relocate the Consulate General of Japan from New Orleans, where it had been for decades, to Nashville. Um, what's the significance of the Japanese government making that decision? And in your opinion, what has that done to further the relationship between Tennessee and Japan? Um, I actually think it was kind of in the same category of what we've just been talking about with the uh, with the Nissan relocation of the of the headquarters, in that it really is a it's a vote of confidence uh, in the state. I mean that that the Japanese government was confident enough that they were going to be successful. They were going to continue to grow their presence in the state. That it made sense to. Uh, uh, to uh, to the consulate uh, consulate here, it certainly gave us a chance to broaden our relationships with senior Japanese officials. We got to know many more of them than we would have under other circumstances. Um, and also, you know, I think for the uh, for the Japanese expatriates who who came here in many cases with some of these investments to live here, um, you know, it, it gave them some support and confidence as uh, as well. So. 
Um, I think it was a it was one of those kind of important milestones when you look back on it that uh, just you know just helps to keep putting the foundation down to continue to grow the uh, grow the relationship. You know, um, we've talked a lot about the Tennessee Japanese relationship, but we also in, in Tennessee have had great success at recruiting investment from around the world. And during our administration, one of the areas we focused on, uh, in addition to Japan, was establishing relationships in China, as well as uh, furthering our presence in Europe and Canada. Um, we had success at bringing in investment from those areas, as well as Brazil, to name a few. As governor, I remember we had lots of discussions about how to how to uh, establish these relationships and how to build on them, make, make sure they weren't transactional, but that they at its core had something that was meaningful uh, to establish the relationship and to build on it. Why did you feel it was important to make these investments um, in Tennessee representation around the globe? Well, I, I think that kind of stuff is really important. And frankly, I'm a little, I'm a little disappointed that we've withdrawn some somewhat from that um, over the past over the past years the um, you know that, I mean this kind of relationship building it's, it's a long game it's not transactional as you as you said um, but you need to uh, you need to have a presence you need to get information um, about what is going on one of the things that I found I mean I, back in very early in my career, when I was in my 30s, I spent a couple of years in the UK uh, doing business there. And one of the things interesting to me is that for a lot of foreign um, uh, CEOs and people, the personal relationship thing ranks higher in their universe than maybe it does for a lot of American businesses. I think a lot of American businesses can be very transactional about these kinds of things. But especially, especially with the Japanese, I mean, I mean, they wanted those relationships. They wanted to know the people. Um, it's not just about you know tax breaks or those other kinds of things. They uh, um, they want those kind of relationships. And uh, one of the things that I thought was really important uh, in that regard was that it was also became clear to me that um, the status of government officials. Um, to uh, in, in Japan, for example, is much higher than it is in this country. I mean, I think a lot of times businesses here think that those of us in government is kind of a necessary evil. <laughs> but um, you know, but uh, but in Japan, you know, those officials are among the most honored, most honored people. And so, I think anything you can do by you know showing as a, as one of those officials your interest in the country by placing people there and traveling there yourselves and your people as you and I as you and I did um, it's even more is more important i think in the, some of these foreign relationships and i think especially with the japanese and the chinese relationships that um, uh, that you have that kind of a um, a relationship but you know, bottom line is what I said at the outset. This stuff is a long, it's the long game. I mean, the stuff that Lamar, Lamar Alexander did getting the Nissan plant here way back when. I mean, that is a, I mean, that's a meaningful piece of the puzzle and the foundation that you and I had a chance to build on and 
hopefully some of the things that we did in the aughts will bear fruit in the 20s and 30s um, in that uh, in that regard. So um, uh, I think those relationships are very important and keeping, you know, and they're not expensive. I mean, it's, it's not hard, it's not hard to do. Um, but uh, this is, um, you know, this is, this is a long, this is a long game. And uh, those things are important. Well, following up on the long game, I think, you know, as we reflect on both the Japanese investment in Tennessee, as well as the automotive industry in our state, as you said, it began with Governor Alexander in, in 1980. And it's hard to believe that Nissan's decision to locate then was the first transplant automotive facility in the US and how that automotive industry and the supply chain that supports it has grown across the state as well as the country. In addition to Nissan, I know we did work with Toyota and they have a lot of investments in, in the state, uh, their largest being Denso's activities in uh, Maryville and Athens. And it's a little difficult to think back to 2006 and 2007 when Toyota was seriously considering Chattanooga's Enterprise South and we were the bridesmaid instead of the bride for that manufacturing plant that ultimately went to Blue Springs, Mississippi. But that prepared us for 2008 when Volkswagen came looking for a place to plant their flag and they chose Enterprise South. In your opinion, will Volkswagen grow across Tennessee in the same way over the next 40 years that Nissan and the supply chain has grown um, across the state and has become so important to our economic vitality? Yeah, well, you know, you know, as, as you know, man. I mean, we were both uh, disappointed with the when the when that Toyota thing happened, but we also learned from it what was attractive and what wasn't attractive about the site and how they made their how they made their decisions. You know, in my my business background is I mean, it's, it's always been kind of entrepreneurial, and when you do that, you just recognize that you have to play percentages a little bit, um, not be too you know you don't you don't win everyone and, and you have to. You have to, uh, you know, be patient and and uh, and, and wait. Um, you know, we recruited sports teams here, and you know, I failed miserably a couple of times before we got the Predators here, <laughs> and uh, you know, and then ultimately the you know the Titans off, off the back of um, uh, off the back of that. So I think that um, um, I think we learned a lot in that um, in that in that process. Um, I think there's no question, but that the infrastructure that had been established in the state of auto suppliers, for example, um, really helped. Uh, really helped in that. Um, I think the uh, the far sightedness uh, of the local government in Chattanooga and Hamilton County, and not you know not giving up on that site, not breaking it up into a million little sites, but saying we're going to someday get a big thing there. It's also been they were playing the long game, just as we've talked about, and uh, and they deserve a lot of uh, a lot of credit for that. Uh, I think the fact that you'd already had some investments um, that were great success stories um, really helped give confidence to uh, you know to, to to Volkswagen as well. Um, so I think a combination of you know all the good things about Tennessee anyway we've described in terms of the quality of life and. The stability of uh, uh, of its of its government and so on was there, 
but um, you know, did not did not hurt a bit to just have them look around and see that other companies had made major commitments to the state, and they turned out very very well. I think, I think that really uh, that really helped. You know, I had the opportunity in um, actually in 1987 to make my first trip to Japan. I was part of the American Council of Young Political Leaders and spent two weeks learning about Japan from the political and economic uh, perspective. And I remember very vividly um, being in a Dunkin' Donuts at eight in the morning and hearing Elvis Presley playing over the, uh, the public address system. And, and one of the things I, I recall from our experience, and I'd be interested to get your observations, is that while we had a lot of business interactions and a lot developed a lot of friendships, one of the, one of the ties that really helped connect Tennessee and, and our friends in Japan was the, the love of country music, the Dolly Parton, the respect we both have for Jack Daniels. How important are those cultural aspects to the relationship in your opinion? Well, I think they're, um, uh, I think the cultural aspects are, are important as well. I mean, I, I discovered that, uh, you know, once you, once you get out into sort of people who are a long way from Tennessee in the United States and, you know, don't travel here or live here. Um, Tennessee is, uh, you and I have talked about it. I mean, what they know about Tennessee is Elvis Presley, Jack Daniels and Dolly Parton. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's Tennessee to them. And, and, you know, the fact that we could talk about, talk about those things and so on was very, um, uh, was, was very helpful. But, um, you know, I, I mean, I loved as as I know you did. We just worked, but together. I mean, I loved going to going to Japan and uh, you know starting to have some understanding of a different uh, of a very different culture and uh, and often a very different way of thinking about thinking about things. Uh, um, you know, it's not all one it's not all one sided. I mean, I'm proud of what we accomplished, but I had an awful good time doing it. Yes, uh, I think we both can agree on that. Um... Well, Tennessee's had a lot of success. We're the second largest state for foreign direct investment from Japan, second only to California, and have been in that position for, for decades. And as such, it's customary for the first international trip for a new Tennessee governor or new economic development commissioner um, is to Japan. You participated several times in the Southeast US-Japan meetings. Um, which I think are very important for continuing that relationship, as well as visiting Japan several times as governor. Any highlights or memories that come to mind that uh, you'd like to share from those trips? Well, if I can take, maybe take it out of the out of the business world and just the personal thing. Yeah, I mean there there are a lot of things I remember. Um, it was my first earthquake. Uh, <laughs> we went. We were in Tokyo and. Um, I was up on the I don't know, some high floor in the hotel, and all of a sudden everything started waving around, and you know chandeliers and the, the stuff in the ceiling uh, swinging back and forth, and things sliding off the desk. And and uh, if you remember, we uh, we uh, tuned in on the television, and practically as we were enduring the earthquake, CNN was reporting an earthquake in in, uh, <laughs> in, in Japan. So that was my first uh, my first earthquake, and and so on. Um, I really remember going and seeing the Bridgestone art collection. I mean, when they asked me, when they asked me to go visit it, I was, you know, not quite sure what to expect. But as you know, I have a, a hobby of mine has been painting. 
and um, the Bridgestone Art Collection, a, a painter I've always really liked and studied and liked to look at his stuff, it, it stays on. And I walked into the museum and there were, I mean, Cezanne's that I recognized the moment I walked in that were, that were sitting there. Um, there was a Mount, there's a Mount Saint Victoire one, which is a very famous painting of his. And you walk in a room and there it is at this Bridgestone, Bridgestone Museum. And uh, so I really, uh, I really liked like that as well. Another thing that I remember very well is um, I've always admired Howard Baker. I really, I really think, you know, think the, thought very highly of him. And uh, he was ambassador to Japan when we started. And and uh, if you remember, hosted a, a big event at the uh, uh, ambassador's residence to meet uh, Japanese business people. But it was also a chance for me to just sit down privately and just talk with him a little bit. We, we agreed we both had political careers, but kind of kind of passed by each other in the night in some ways, both in terms of, you know, timing and other kinds of things. And uh, just, you know, I'm sorry I had to go umpteen thousand miles from Tennessee to have it, but a chance just to get to know this man that I admired so much a little bit, uh, a little bit personally was really, really important to me. And uh, I love Japanese gardens. I try to visit them when I'm in other cities like you know, Portland, Oregon, it's got a great one. And uh, we went and visited some wonderful ones in both Tokyo and Osaka, I believe. So there were a lot of those kind of personal things that, uh, uh, that I really enjoyed about the process as well. I don't want anybody to think I didn't work hard doing recruiting and, and all that, but, <laughs> but uh, it was nice to, it was nice to uh, see some of these things and, and, um, uh, there were some very pleasant surprises in that uh, in that way. I can do it out there. I can do it without the earthquakes, but the rest of it was great. No, there's no question that uh, the experience was uh, quite meaningful, and and what we accomplished for the state endures. But the the personal relationships and the friendships uh, uh, meant quite a bit. I know to both of us, and we could we could stay here and reminisce for hours on on uh, our activities both in Japan and around the world during the time in office. But I know Pat got some Q&A. So Patrick, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. And thank you for giving me the time to uh, have this conversation with Governor Bredesen. Thank you, uh, Mr. Kisber. And uh, thank you, Governor. Uh, we, uh, we appreciate the, the opportunity to have this conversation tonight. And we do have a few uh, questions in the queue, but let me uh, First, uh, remind everyone, especially those listening on our podcast, that uh, we're talking with Governor Phil Bredesen and uh, former Commissioner of Tennessee Economic Community Development, Matt Kisber, about the impact in Tennessee of uh, Japanese uh, investment in the state. And we, uh, we want to start out with one question that came in from our Facebook Live. Uh, Governor, uh, we, uh, we, we saw the facts and figures of the impact on, uh, on Tennessee. Uh, can you comment on what Tennesseans should know about the importance of uh, Japanese investment and uh, why they don't know more about what's what's going on uh, in that realm? Yeah, it's, um, um, I think, I mean, I found people are, people are familiar with it. I mean, I mean, you know, no one or if you're in positions like Matt and I were, you're you're involved with it day to day. But I found as I got out into some of these um, into some of these uh, smaller communities and, and more rural communities where there was uh, um, where there was a significant Japanese investment presence, people knew about it, and um, 
uh, and, and appreciated it. You know, I when back when I was in my 30s, I think as I mentioned, um, I spent a couple of years abroad and it was it, I've learned a lot of stuff and discovered a lot of things. But, you know, it, grow up and particularly if you're out in the middle of the country, um, you don't think instantly about international trade and international investment, uh, you know, quite as easily. I got to the UK and, you know, doing business with, you know, Germany or France or something was like us doing business with Kentucky or Illinois. I mean, it's a very natural kind of kind of thing. Um, and I think Tennesseans are getting, and I know they are, have been over the years, just more and more comfortable that this is a normal part of the uh, uh, of the economic process. The world is getting uh, smaller, um, and um, the economy is more complex. And I do think people are uh, are beginning to uh, uh, realize that and, and understand the kind of opportunities that arise out of, uh, out of cultivating those those relationships. We have a question from uh, David Rands. He uh, asked, how can we better build connections between Tennessee's institutions of higher education and Japanese industry? Presuming they aren't already in place in places like UTK and, and others. I think, um, you know, I found, um, I found the higher education establishment pretty um, willing to open those, open those doors. Um, there are a lot of things that we can do in the way of uh, training. Um, uh, the community colleges in particular have got facilities and people uh, uh, who can help with that process and, um, it, and I, believe, uh, I believe can. Um, I worked harder in the time I was, I was governor to broaden the relationships between the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, which is our, our big research university, um, and, uh, and Oak Ridge, which has a lot of people different from different countries uh, working, uh, working at and, and around it in, in the non-secret, uh, the non-weapons, non uh, you know, kind of stuff there. Um, and I, I do hope that, uh, that we'll continue to continue to do that. Uh, I also think that, um, you know, simply being a place where um, students from other countries, Japan and any foreign country can come and study is really important. And I think they come to have an understanding and an appreciation of American culture. Um, that's something we have to work on. I mean, over the past, uh, you know, half a decade or more, we've really cut down on that. And um, uh, I think are losing our status as, you know, the place to go for higher, for higher education in the world. Uh, I hope that we can get over that and uh, start opening things up to get the right kinds of visas for people. And I'd love for anybody who, you know, from a foreign country who wants to and, and uh, can get support for doing it to be able to come and spend some, spend some time here. Um, they can contribute enormously to, you know, both, both the diversity and the intellectual bigger, bigger of, uh, of, our, uh, of our institutions. I think it's a very, very healthy, healthy thing. We have a question from one of our uh, participants here on Zoom. You've successfully started a healthcare company and a renewable clean energy company. You seem to have a knack for picking up and coming industries. What's the next thing that should be on our radar? And this comes from, from, from uh, an anonymous uh, attendee who's obviously looking for stock picks. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, um, I, I, I don't know what the next one is. I, I've always thought, <laughs> 
I've always thought that where where entrepreneurial opportunities exist is where there's a lot of change taking place uh, in the world. Um, I mean, healthcare for me, you know, it has changed. Healthcare has changed dramatically in the last half century. We're uh, really starting with Medicare and Medicaid in the mid nineteen mid nineteen sixties. It's just changed it dramatically, and um, you know, uh, that's when I think that's why I think there's opportunity. Uh, uh, big big companies have a lot of things going for them, but they're not often fleet of foot, and they have things to protect and and uh, and so on. And it kind of falls, I think, to entrepreneurs to uh, to kind of step in. So um, that was the genesis of the healthcare the healthcare stuff. And uh, the same thing happened, uh, you know, with the solar company. That both both I mean, Matt is, Matt is chairman of it. Um, we got involved in trying to recruit um, some some uh, some solar oriented businesses to Tennessee, um, and I really, I, to be honest with you, at the time I really thought it was kind of a boutique area that you know their solar was still fairly expensive, but some people who had some money wanted them on their roof or something like that. Um, but as we got into it, I just saw, and I think Matt saw the same thing, and say, you know, there's something really fundamental going on here. Some big changes happening in the way that energy is going to be produced and delivered in this, uh, you know, in this nation, and uh, that presents some opportunities. So you know, we kind of picked a, a way we thought would be one way to be a player in that in that field. So I guess I say that I don't have the next, I don't have the next area picked out. But the trick in my mind is to look for things that are changing and evolving rapidly. And that's where opportunities create, especially for smaller companies that can move quickly and be innovative. And, and um, uh, that's, that's what I spent my non-political life, <laughs> life doing. And um, there's, a, there's a lot of opportunity out there today. So uh, the answer is this is not CNBC and, and this is not the Jim Cramer show. <laughs> so uh, we, we have another uh, energy question. Um, Tennessee is becoming a leader in electric vehicles and battery storage in large part due to the investment of time and energy put in, no pun there, put in by you and your predecessors in state government. What are your thoughts on the aggressive goals set by the Biden administration for EVs? And uh, I'll, uh, parenthetically, you know, we saw the climate uh, report this week from the United Nations, the uh, Secretary General said that uh, there's a red alert and that's uh, hopefully will add some emphasis to, uh, to putting those goals in place and, and meeting them. Yeah, I have probably a little bit of a non-standard view about that. I mean, I think in the end, you know, once you, once you get away from the true believers, um, EVs are going to become more and more important not because people are trying to fight climate change, but because they're just better cars. I mean, I own an EV, and it is a much nicer driving car than any other car I've ever, I've ever had. I mean, they're really, um, uh, it's, it's, it's a great, great way to have a car. We obviously have got work to do on charging infrastructure, um, but that's something, that's something that is very, uh, you know, that's very soluble. Um, I wish, you know, people would stop fighting things that have been politicized, you know, like, like climate change and just focus on, um, 
you know, and focus on the fact that um, you know they're just better. <laughs> you should do it because they're better cars. They're more fun to drive. They're less costly. They're, uh, I mean, they're virtually maintenance maintenance free, and um, and do that. You know, when we started with solar, uh, recruiting business, Matt and I started started with that. Um, one of the things I liked about it was you could get support from across the political spectrum. I mean, what I would say to people is. Um, I don't care if you believe in climate change or not. Okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not arguing that issue with you. Um, some people do, uh, and they're going to be, they're going to be addressing it. And we should have the jobs and uh, and the wealth that comes from uh, meeting that need in the country. You don't don't have to agree with the basis of the need if the need is there. So I, um, you know, in the same way, I've always thought. People take mass transportation where it's successful. It's not because people are trying to be good people and ride mass transportation. It's because it's a better way to get from here to there. Um, you know, if you're in Boston, you know, Cambridge, and want to go down in downtown Boston, it's easier to go there on the subway than it is to drive a car. And um, um, so, um, I, I think the goals are aggressive. There's no question. There's no question about uh, about that. Um, and, um, but I hope that, uh, I hope a lot of people will look at it from the standpoint of, you know, is, is an electric car just a better car to have for my needs than, um, uh, you know, than something else, uh, and not get so fascinated with, uh, whether or not it's the solution to, uh, to, uh, to global warming or not. I know that's not a standard view, especially for a Democrat, but, um, um, I think people are, you know, you know, most people are very sort of down to earth and practical about these things, and they want things that work and are, and um, are economical and 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 attractive. Well, we uh, have a few minutes left, and we're uh, we're out of questions in the queue. But let me ask you, uh, getting back to the Japanese investment, uh, you know, most people think about the big places here in Middle Tennessee, but it's it's spread out across the state. There's a couple hundred. Uh, Japanese firms, in addition to the other foreign direct investment around the state, as as you look around uh, during your time in office and and uh, the subsequent times, the the spread across the state of Japanese investment, are there cases uh, that you reflect on that made an impact on you when you looked at at what uh, happened in this or that community as a result of an investment coming in that might have changed some dynamics in uh, in that that area. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons that I really um, that I really focused on the auto industry, which is largely a focus on Japanese investment. I mean, obviously Volkswagen is here now, but a lot of those supplier plants are there. Um, are that I was trying really hard as a governor to figure out how you support some of these um, some of these smaller communities and more rural areas of the state. I mean, Nashville's doing fine. But you've got some rural communities state that are really struggling, and particularly some of these companies that have gone offshore in the last couple of couple of decades. Um, you know, uh, we, you know, we recruited a lot of business from the Rust Belt because you know we we work a little cheaper and wouldn't join a union um, here. And of course, those are the kind of companies that are the very first ones to go to Mexico or Indonesia or something else when the economic pressures get to get to be there. And I really saw it as an opportunity to support those communities. I mean, I mean, you can't put the um, 
you know, the Nissan truck factory or the Volkswagen plant in any place other than something that has got to be, there's access to a large, to a large workforce. But if you've got a 100, 200 employee auto parts supplier, there's a lot of communities that that can go in where you've got great workforce, you've got people who really care about the jobs and got stability in the workforce. And so I really, I really saw it as a way to, to do something to help, um, uh, to help those um, uh, to help those communities, I grew up in a rural community and just kind of saw firsthand, you know, what the, the kind of stuff which is happening as things start concentrating more and more in urban areas, and some of the many smaller manufacturing businesses end up in, you know, the products end up coming out of China and, say, in Indonesia and Mexico and and, and other other places. Well, we um, we've about run out of time here, but uh, we have a, a minute or two for some. Closing thoughts, um, Chairman, uh, uh, Commissioner Kisber, do you have uh, anything you'd like to add about the impact of Japanese business uh, in the state before we close out tonight? Well, just following up on what Governor Bredesen said, I mean, the way in which the investment is spread across the state and the attention it brings to the relationship in small communities in West, Middle, and in East Tennessee, along with the um, the growth of the celebrations and the festivals and the cultural aspect. I mean, I know Nashville and Memphis both have uh, cherry blossom festivals and ways of celebrating this relationship. And, and you know, I understand there are some school programs in, in various parts of the state. I think that's a great way to encourage young people to get involved and to learn more about um, how this world is really a small place and we all need to live together in it and organizations like the World Affairs Council. And I commend what you're doing and encourage young people to uh, take advantage of that because I think that uh, uh, as the governor pointed out, you know, we're, we're longer in our careers than, than others. And um, there's a lot of opportunity and, and potential. And I think uh, young people coming together and taking advantage of that is, is the opportunity that exists. And, and I'm excited by, by that. So. Uh, I hope that uh, we see that continue in Tennessee and, and grow. Great. Governor Bredesen, thanks uh, for being with us. Any, uh, any last thoughts uh, on the program tonight? Yeah, just, just to say that the, I mean, one, one, of, the, one of the highlights for me of, of my time as governor was just you know, learning more about Japanese business, Japanese culture, having an opportunity to work on a lot of different kinds of projects for mutual, for mutual benefit. And um, um, it's, uh, it's one of those things that I hope, I hope a lot of other people who are listening to this can have a, a similar kind of experience in the, uh, in the years ahead. And uh, I love what you're doing with your organization. And uh, I think these kinds of um, um, events like the Zoom event and the Facebook live streaming and so on is a great way to just introduce, you know, some people to, uh, you know, some of the dimensions and some of the subtleties of these kinds of kinds of relationships. I hope there'll be somebody who comes out of this who just has a little more interest about uh, how do we make this, how do we make this stuff work, these kind of connections work than they did before. If that's the case, uh, um, I'd be very happy. Well, thank you, uh, and thanks for the kind words about the World Affairs Council. We'll keep uh, plugging away at uh, our, our global literacy uh, work, and uh, we hope that uh, you'll be back. Uh, Commissioner Kisber was in the hot seat with Mayor Dean, and now he's uh, driving the driving the train tonight. So we thank 
him for coming back. And Governor, we, we look forward to uh, you coming back and doing a, another program with us uh, down the road. And uh, thank you for being with us tonight. Again, this has been the Global Nashville uh, with uh, Matt Kisber sitting in for Carl Dean. We'll be back in uh, four weeks. And uh, we look forward to uh, bringing you more programs in that series. Also, look at our website, tnwac.org, for the rest of our program listings. We have a lot of interesting programs coming up. Uh, we're starting to put our fall calendar on the, on the website. And again, Academic World Quest for high school students and teachers. Uh, take a look at the website. Uh, we have a new season coming up, and we'll have uh, all that information uh, for you on the website. For those of you who are not members of the World Affairs Council, please visit the site and go to tnwac.org slash join, and we encourage you to become members. That's how we uh, help pay the light bill here. And uh, if you're already a member, please consider uh, making a gift, uh, tnwac.org slash donate. Uh, thank you again, Governor Bredesen and Commissioner Gisbert, and everyone have a great evening.